0: You're listening to a city on a hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, good morning church. Welcome to this wonderful Sunday. If you've met me before, my name is Colin, the associate pastor here, and what a joy it is to see you all here today. I want to start off with the question, what comes to mind when you think of the word zeal? So after my wife Lena and I got married, uh, we started renting a, a like a townhouse and it was coupled with other townhouses around like in a clove of sorts. And ever since living there, uh, what comes uh, what comes by us a lot is what many Australian homeowners fear the most, the door-to-door salesman. And so, thankfully, because the townhouses are close, are close together, when we see a door-to-door salesman, uh, I can see that they're coming through and they're going kind of about to go to my house. But I remember going upstairs once just to spy and see what they were trying to sell uh, and just looking through the window, kind of peeking through. And the, the, the salesman went to the house of my neighbour across the street and started selling and there was a very nice civil chat, started talking about, I just want to know, sell your power bills, you know, just want to, whoa, who are you with? Are you with AGL, et cetera? So a very, very friendly chatter, both civil. But then I noticed the homeowner started, well, my neighbour started to, you know, hesitate a bit. I could see him just slowly, you know, closing the door a little. Like you could just tell when you're just kind of like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm happy. staying with Lumo. I'm good. And it's like closing it slowly. Uh, but then out of nowhere, the door knocker, he started getting really aggressive. He really changed his tone. You, could, you just, I could hear him from my window. Um, just him saying, mate, I'm trying to help you here. Can you go inside your house and get your bill? I'm trying to save you money. You're an idiot if you don't want to save money. And obviously the you was just like, no, 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 I'm good, thanks. So it just kept closing, right? So, of course, the best thing I did that day was not open my house for that, that person. But anyway, it's not too far-fetched to think that today when we think of somebody with religious zeal, we might naturally think of somebody who is a little overly intense. You know, somebody who, who yells at you, uh, talks at you rather than talks to you. Uh, somebody uh, who comes to your front, front of your house, keeps knocking until you're open and it abuses you if you don't agree with them. Or maybe when we hear the word zeal, we've naturally become attuned to, to it, that it rarely affects us. Maybe it becomes a uh, a buzzword like Christian lingo where it's, it goes along with describing believers to be zealous, but also it's along the same lines as loving and caring and being generous, each hugely significant characteristics of a follower of Christ but heard so often that it becomes so easy to overlook and neglect. And yet everywhere in the Bible, the more we're met with people from reading the word, and we can see that there's so many people that are so affected by a holy God, people so affected by the good news, by the gospel, the only description that we could give to these people that we read in the Bible is none other than that word zeal. People so zealous for God, so zealous for Jesus Christ that they would give their life. Some, people, some of them literally gave their life in worship to this holy God, in worship of this Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we can't avoid or overlook Christian zeal because Scripture is littered with Christian zeal. Authors inspired by God, filled with, with zeal who wrote stories of his goodness. We think of kings so zealous for God. They wrote poems of praise and anguish for every emotion and every season they had, they felt. We have countless letters to Christian churches teaching the significance of zeal. We have encouragement from early church leaders on the zeal shown from fellow believers. Zeal is so impactful when accompanying Christian faith, but zeal isn't simply a formula that works well in the lives of believers. It's a command from Scripture. Look at Romans twelve eleven. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So today I want to encourage us as a church as to what it means to be zealous. And I think it's important for us to think through Christian zeal, especially coming out of the year that was 2020, because I know I speak for many of us when I say coming out of quite a unique, challenging, maybe even dreary year of mainly just being in one place, mainly being at home, being zealous wasn't exactly in the forefront of my mind when I left 2020, but it was maybe... a Maybe for you, it was a tough transition for many of us coming out. Now used to idle living we experienced for most of last year. But I hope the words from the Apostle Paul today will encourage and challenge us to live zealously as Christians. So how about I pray before we delve into the Word of God? Father God, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you that you use a servant as a Paul to share your Word on what it means to be a zealous Christian. Lord, pray, Lord, that uh, all the words that are of mine, please take it away from my friend's heart today. Let it be only yours that remain. Let it be only yours that encourage and challenge us as we go into your word and learn what it means to be zealous by your good and gracious word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I read uh, Romans 12, 11, uh, which was just on the screen before, uh, what stands out in this passage is what's around it, how it's structured. So let's take a look at the verses around it. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So you get words like let love be genuine, love one another, do not be slothful in zeal, rejoice in hope contribute to the needs of the saints it looks and sounds a little disjointed right it's short and sharp like Paul in, like just sharing all these different quotes and different lines on how to live and it makes us wonder why is this appeal to to not be slothful in zeal and be fervent in spirit why is it mixed in with all these other things they kind of seem kind of detached from one another how does paul go from loathing evil and loving good to not being lazy to to opening your house to godly mates how does he go from there See, Romans chapter 12 begins with one of the more well-known passages that we may have all heard here before, where it's we're told to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God as true and proper worship. So our body, our life, is offered up to God in worship and pleasing him. See, writer Douglas Moo calls Romans 12 a, a rational worship to which Christians are called. It is a lifelong responsibility to reverence God in every aspect of our lives, pursuing what is good, well-pleasing to God, and perfect. So with that in mind, the style of writing from verse 9 onwards is intentional, as it seems to be Paul giving the Romans a sort of list or guide to Christian life and worship, like a beginner's guide to Christian living, the list and marks of a true Christian. And that explains the structure of Paul stringing together these various ethical calls, sort of like a Christian living for dummies kind of book, in a sense, picture. So the reality is then that for our passage in verse 11 today, Paul would be appealing to the Romans that being zealous, being fervent, on fire in the spirit spirit of the Lord, to serve the Lord is a mark of being a true Christian spoken alongside such important Christian truths, such as loving others, which we always hear. Waiting and rejoicing on the hope of Christ. Prayer to the Father. That's huge. That zeal is in there. It's massive. When we think of our command to love others, it's something that's for all of us, right? It's for all Christians. I don't go, hey, I've got a new person coming in gospel community. I'm not in the mood to love this person. Can you love him instead? I don't go... When Paul, further down, he exhorts uh, to be patient in tribulation. This isn't something that he encourages for whoever to do it. But Paul encourages everyone, all Christians, to do this. See, the verses prior our passage speak about Christians as, as one body, as a church, exercising many and different varying gifts. That's what was Paul shared just before this, where we ought to be zealous in exercising these gifts as seen in verse 8 to, to the church. But written here today in verse 9, Verse 9 onwards, it shifts, Paul shifts, and makes an appeal to all Christians and how they should act, not just into the body, not just to the church, but how Christians should act to outsiders even, that these are marks for all. We should be challenged. This should challenge us immediately that we all be Christians with zeal passionate, eager in pursuit of a cause. I love what Sarah in a call to worship, how she defined zeal, as she looked it up. Would we call ourselves a zealous Christian is the question. Or would another person describe you as someone who exudes zeal in faith to the Lord? So that's one aspect of the passage, zeal as part of a list of Christian guidelines. Paul's plea to not be slothful in zeal but fervent in spirit as a mark of Christianity a zeal meant and desired for all Christians alike. But there's another aspect this passage also points to, also alludes to. And I think there's great value in seeing how Paul paints Christian zeal. Now, if we take a step back and view our verse 11, in light of the surrounding verses and its theme, we'll see that Paul's plea to the Romans to not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit depicts an underlying motif centered around what? It's centered around love, and not just any old love, a love that abhors evil and holds fast to good, an authentic love, a genuine love, and agape love. As it says, let love be genuine. The, The word for love here in the original Greek language is this word agape. This is a love that describes not a deep bromance or a deep sisterhood. It's not the type of love that is romantic or sexual, but this agape love is the most radical of them all. It's a selfless love. C.S. Lewis calls this agape love, calls it a gift love. A love that involves commitment, faithfulness, an act of the will. It's unique and renowned among the other types of love. And it is this same agape love that Jesus describes our love for God. What he says in Luke 10, and he answered, You shall love, as in agape love, the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. But here in our passage, it's quite intriguing, quite revealing. Why? Where John Stott says that so far in Romans, all the times agape was referenced, it has been used to describe a love of God. But now, as in Romans 12, Paul focuses on agape as the essence of Christian discipleship. This is a love that is and from God, who in his very nature is love itself. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. God doesn't merely love. He is love. Everything he does flows from his love and seen, mostly, seen most clear on the cross of Christ, the greatest showing of love the world could ever know. And now Paul says it's the same love we are to have towards others. See, Christian zeal, the mark of true Christianity, meant for all Christians is centred in agape love, a love that graciously was given towards us that we may love others as God loves, a zeal that is rooted in God's love. And I think this is where it has and can so easily go wrong. See, some of us have seen a lot of media uh, for many many years now and a lot of times we've seen the countless media exposure particular churches in places like uh, the, the United States they get a lot of attention there where ones where we see passionate enthusiastic zealous groups of Christians according to those reporting uh, holding up signs and posters with with huge writing saying god hates this god hates that you're going to hell and we can Like we can certainly not fault these people on their zeal. These are zealous people. That we can't disagree. But we as Christians should be concerned, concerned with the message that's coming across because all that's really seen when we see that is a zeal without any love whatsoever. The danger for us is that while we could be so passionate about proclaiming the good news of Jesus. We could be so filled with so much enthusiasm to tell everybody in every Facebook comment, on the phone, on, in person, on the streets. Yet if this zeal is not rooted in a faithful, endearing, uh, enduring, committed love of God, if it is not rooted in a gracious, sacrificial, gifting love to all others, if this zeal isn't rooted in a love that God has shown us first not grounded in a genuine love for others, a genuine love for God, then it's useless. What separates us from a sign holder? Our zeal becomes nothing more than an obnoxious advert that sells a fake product. Much the same as Paul speaking about spiritual gifts when he talks about what happens when they do it without love, where he says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, as in agape love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. See, our passion, our enthusiasm, our zeal as Christians has to be rooted in this love, a love that's a response and reflection to God's love for us, gifted to us by the one who brought us out of the depths of darkness and into the joy, the light of Jesus Christ, shared to all that they may know this same love from Jesus. We can be zealous because God has given us the reason to be zealous. We can have this burning desire to please him, to advance his glory to the world in every way. The joy and enthusiasm to do his will, the deep care and empathy of our neighbour because it is rooted in God's love of us. For Our love for each other is built on our love for God and our love for each other points to the love of God. I especially think of my wonderful wife, Lena, who in the past has worked in some very, very uh, secular jobs. And there's one job in particular where she uh, met a lot of people who you could essentially say they were anti-Christian. Yet if you've met Lena before, uh, you would know that she has a very, she's a very bubbly personality, uh, very enthusiastic. Uh, She's quite zealous, really. And she she remained this way around these people who would essentially not want to hear anything about Jesus. Um, But she was very zealous. She remained zealous, especially when it came to her faith, sharing to them how she goes to church, even sharing to many of them her testimony of how Jesus saved her, how Jesus saved her. And, but what I think stood out to her friends was that they saw how much she loved them, opening up our house to them anytime they needed, often going out of her way to be in their life and walk alongside them that even some of them shared some of the deepest parts of their life that they don't normally share to her because they felt so much love coming out from Lena's zeal. And what I saw was a reflection of a love that Lena knew first from God, that she deeply loved these people, wanted them to know the greatest love they could ever know, Jesus Christ. And And that's worth being passionate about. That's worth being passionate about. We should be eager, enthused, devoted, zealous in displaying this love of God that we all know as it reveals the love of God to all that see, that zeal. See, writer William Greathouse writes in regard to verse 9 and 13 in Romans 12, if this agape love is sincere, all that follows in this passage will be manifested. Christian zeal is rooted in God's love. So now that we have the foundation, what happens when it's hard to be zealous? Again, Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. See, the word slothful here most likely paints a picture of someone who is lazy, slow, always sleeping. Reaction speed is super, super minus, right? Basically, the sloth. That's what it's saying, But really what it also does is it paints an attitude of laziness, a complacency in what we do. It's something that I definitely felt many times coming out of COVID season, let alone during COVID season. And it's something Paul tells us not to be because I think slothfulness is quite dangerous. It's one of those attitudes that can easily start like a small snowball just rolling down the hill, but then it grows to be a devastating avalanche It's an attitude that can so easily seep into the the crevices of our everyday life, but more dangerously, it seeps into our everyday Christian life. Martin Luther describes this part of the verse as, be not lazy as what you ought to do. And what we ought to do is be zealous. See, Paul's appeal here is to be zealous, to be fervent in spirit. But to do that, we must not be slothful in zeal, or as the Greek reveals also in that word slothful, to not lose steam in your zeal. See, for some of us here today, we think back to the the time maybe where where Jesus Christ became real to us, when he became not only a name, not only a story, but he became your saviour. He became your Lord, your greatest love, your greatest joy. And it was likely a time where you were tremendously zealous as it all became real and true in your life, right? Or maybe we've mostly grown up as a Christian, never experiencing that, I guess, spiritual high of coming from the far side of the dark and into the light of Christ. Let's say, but maybe accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior one day because it simply made sense. Where zeal wasn't so much an outward display of uh, in display of expression and enthusiasm, but it was more a deep assurance, a deep devotion in the gospel truth and how that's led to a transformed life. Maybe that's you. Whichever the case, the reality is that as Christians, as life continues, seasons go by and we are all prone to lose steam. Our initial zeal might fizzle out. Our accepting of Christ may mean less than it used to. And Paul pleads here, resist this. Don't lose steam. Don't be slothful don't be complacent, don't tire out, get rid of this. Stop being slothful in zeal, but instead be fervent in spirit. I remember the first time going to the gym, very long time, obviously, right? but I remember the enthusiasm and the zeal I had, like, oh, I can't wait to go to the gym, look at videos and talk to friends and see videos and magazines of guys with biceps bigger than my face. I was like, I'm going to be that, and I can't wait. And I remember going in the first time, super, super enthusiastic, ready to do the weights, going down to do a chest press, which is the one where you lie down and you lift. I was like, I'm going to stack on heaps of plates. I'm going to get super strong. So I put on heaps of, heaps of weights. I don't remember exactly what I put on. But I remember I started lifting and as soon as I got it off the rack, it just fell right on my chest and just stayed there. And then I remember a very friendly gentleman came over was like, hey, bro, do you need help? You okay, man? Like I'm red-faced, sweating, I really groaned out. Nah, I'm okay. You know And then obviously about 30 seconds later, please help me. And I think I was reminded of this because I think when we're filled with this enthusiasm, when we're filled with this unbridled zeal for something, we can so easily think that we can do it all, that we ourselves are the one who sustains our zealousness, that we can keep this enthusiasm, this fire, this unbridled passion to keep burning, especially as we live for God. And that's great to yearn and desire that with all our hearts. But the reality is it's not in our capacity to do so. We can't do it in any sense on our own strength. The reality is we are a sinful people who naturally veer towards our fallenness, our sinfulness. We might be able to stir up zeal when our faith is gone great and our general life is roses. But what happens when we're hit uh, with life events that rock us to the core and bring us nothing but pain, sadness and anguish? Can our own strength maintain that same unbridled passion of faith? What happens when our belief, our zeal, our zealous belief is met with a question or a demand so challenging that it makes us want to waver, that we're felt left, that feel like wavering? Can our own strength maintain that same enthusiasm to remain unwavering? If we were left to our own strengths to find it deep within ourselves, to keep this spiritual fiery zeal ablaze, we'd be burnt out like matchsticks, no longer able to be lit. For an ongoing, everlasting fire, we need something that is not limited in capacity, but something that is eternal. We need something, actually, we need someone who is powerful enough, who is truly everlasting, that can not only spark the fire of zeal in us, but sustain it to the very end, and we need the Holy Spirit. Be fervent in spirit. Paul here could be urging Christians to maintain a strong and emotional commitment to the Lord in their own spirits. But most scholars have understood that it seems more likely and fitting that Paul is referring here to the Holy Spirit in light of Paul referring to the Lord straight after. That's why. So it seems that Paul is speaking of the Holy Spirit as he exhorts them to be fervent in him. To be fervent is is to boil, is to glow, to radiate. Paul here is urging Christians, don't be lazy in zeal, but instead boil in the Holy Spirit. Be aglow in the Spirit. John Stott describes, the picture is not so much of a glowing lamp as of a boiling, bubbling pot. See, these are words that are often associated with what? With heat. When we think of life, a body that's alive, we know that inside there's heat, right? There's warmth. When reading novels or watching movies, Uh, one of the most common descriptions of a, a, a body that's no longer alive is what? Is that it's cold, lifeless. And that's why I love that Paul uses the word fervent because it actually translates again to these words that relate to fire, to heat, warmth. It relates to life. For believers to be fervent in the spirit, to be radiating, to be boiling, to be glowing in the spirit, they must first be alive. And that is what Christians are. As filled with the Spirit. Romans 8:10. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. So when you become a Christian, there is a new life lit within you, you are made alive in Christ. The Spirit has poured into you the truth and the beauty of what Jesus has done for you on the cross for all his believers. And the Holy Spirit lights the fire and makes the believer spiritually alive. As one writer says, Adam was made alive by the breath of God, and we as new Christian, uh, new creations in Christ are made spiritually alive by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And so as Christians have the Holy Spirit, God in us, residing in us, working through us. We can have faith that it is the same Spirit who fans the flame that gives us the zeal to keep going, to keep living in Christian worship. We can't do it in our own strength because we don't have to. The Spirit who gives us life, who gave us life, is the Spirit who sustains our fire. We have the Spirit working in us. That makes us boil, makes us aglow, gives us zeal. Be fervent in spirit. How does the Holy Spirit do this? See, when we pray, it's the spirit who gives us enthusi- the enthusiastic discipline to do so. When we read the word of God, it's the spirit who illuminates God's word to us. When we worship in song, it's the spirit who sometimes brings us in awe, worship of him. When we hear the word of God preached in our lives, it's the spirit who convicts us, who encourages us, who challenges us to change to Christ's likeness. When we proclaim the name of Jesus to our friend, it's the spirit who gives us the words. It's never in our own strength. It then makes sense that over the course of our Christian lives, in order to boil, to glow, to be zealous in the spirit, we should live attuned to the one who gives us life, the spirit who gives us life. We must live according to God. Look at what Paul says in the same letter in Romans chapter 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. See, as Christians call to live zealously, Living according to the Spirit is so important. Why? Because the Spirit, just like any fire, can be quenched. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil quench, to quell, to suppress the fire of the spirit dwelling in us. This can indeed happen in any believer and most notably seen in the entire church of Laodicea in Revelations chapter 3. This was a church who famously uh, got the, the disastrous tag of being the church that was lukewarm, where Jesus essentially tells them that they were not useful in being hot, that they were not useful in being cold, but that they were lukewarm, that they had become a church with no purpose, no use. They were useless like lukewarm water. And Jesus says, I spit you out. And so what, what does Jesus do to that church? There's a church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. Jesus charges them with this. Those whom I love are reprove and disciplined, so be zealous and Repent. To the church in Laodicea, what started out a zealous church, faithful and a glow in the spirit. Along the way, they became prideful, self-reliant, comfortable. As seen in Revelations 3, if you read their story, they loved their privilege as a wealthy people. They were a wealthy people, the church in Laodicea, and they loved it. And so what did they do? They embraced living according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. They relied on their own strengths rather than the Spirit at work. They quenched the Spirit's work in their lives. No longer aglow, their zeal flamed out, which called Jesus' rebuke on that church. So we should take note of the words said before the command to not quench the Spirit, that we can increase our zeal if we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances because our Christian zeal cannot be led within our own strengths. We can't do it ourselves. We can't do it if the Holy Spirit isn't in this. We have and need the Spirit to keep us fervent. And what a joy that is to know that we don't actually have to do it ourselves. So lean into the Lord, lean into His Spirit. Christian zeal is sustained through God's Spirit. In God, we know He is more than capable are keeping us boiling, to keep us radiating. So Paul's plea is to stop being slothful in zeal. Get rid of this complacency so that you can be fervent in spirit, the spirit who gives life and keeps your zeal going. But there's still something missing. There's still something crucial in, in Paul's plea that we haven't got to. And as we're nearing it to an end, so far I've spoken about the importance of Christian zeal being rooted in God's love. And then spoke about how, just then how we maintain this zeal, that God's spirit sustains our zeal. Now, we could easily leave it there and leave and be fired up Christians, you know, who are raring to go. We go out there like, yeah, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do this, do that. Be set on fire in the spirit that the, the world sees, this glowing heart as it, as it comes out. And that's great and all. But there would be something critical missing if we left it there. Focus. Direction. Purpose. This is so important because zeal without direction is dangerous. While Christian zeal is rooted in God's love, while it is sustained by God's Spirit, Christian zeal is directed to God's glory. See, just recently, just this week, actually, I had a chat with a gospel community leader of many years at our church who's stepping down as they transition to a new season in their life. And I wanted to thank them for the many, many years of service to so many folks in our church, which has seen this community build up so many people in the word. And as I thanked him, all he could say was, well, I can only point it to the power of the Holy Spirit who transformed these lives. He kept saying, it's all the Lord's doing and thanks be to God. That's all he kept saying to me. And I just love this. I was so encouraged hearing this. See, Paul's plea to the Romans, to his readers, his listeners, to us, is that we may be zealous and serve the Lord. This faith that we have, this new life we've been graciously given, this zeal to be had is to serve the Lord, to glorify the Lord, to glorify God in all that we do. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, our zeal is not directed towards serving ourselves. It's not for our glory. So we look to the interests of our own and what brings us satisfaction and enthusiasm uh, in our self-centeredness. Our zeal is not even directed towards serving people in that when our sole purpose of our zeal is serving people, we elevate people to a status to be worshipped. Our zeal isn't even directed towards serving the world. You know, the world is fleeting, it's broken, it's finite, it's marred. Now, don't get me wrong, while loving others, serving our neighbours and caring for the world are so vital in our zealous service of Our God. We must not mistake these as the purpose of our zeal. See, one Christian writer calls our service to the Lord an enthusiasm of humble service of the Master who bought us that the Spirit creates within us. See, our zeal is directed towards serving the Lord. It's almost as if Paul is telling his listeners to control what might otherwise be interpreted as an invitation for unbridled enthusiasm. It's not zeal for the sake of zeal, but it must be directed towards obedient service to our Lord. Paul is telling his listeners, remember who you live zealously for. And I think Paul was purposeful in spiritual fervor can be misguided and even harmful. It's unfortunate that spiritual zeal, a call to you know, be set on fire by the spirit, can be open to abuse. Where Christians may be so carried away by the enthusiasm for spiritual things, they twist spiritual gifts or demand uncontrolled exuberance in the church. That they take away the very God whom they're supposed to be worshipping out of the equation in favour of what? In favour of self-glorification and self Uh, self-centred displays of this, something which the church in Corinth actually did, which required Paul to step in and point them back to who? So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so Paul is urging listeners to remember, remember who this call for zealous living is directed to. It's to the Lord, to our creator God, and it's a call to zealously serve him. Serve him. See, this is a call to action from Paul. Serve doesn't mean we merely be zealous in what we say and how we act. But Arkent Hughes, a writer, says that such fervent zeal calls for our best and is costly. It's what John Stock calls a practical commitment to the Lord Jesus, a slave to master, which will keep zeal rooted in reality. And it makes sense, right? Christ's followers are zealous for they have received the greatest joy in knowing Jesus as Lord. And so naturally it should produce an enthusiasm, a devotion to serve the very Lord who they're zealous about, like to live faithfully serving him in what he demands of his people. And I love that I get to see that here at City on a Hill, here at our church, devoted volunteers here at Sun 6:30, 7 a.m. Setting up light, setting up equipment for the benefit of our worship together. Big smiling welcomers who are the first face that newcomers see and as they go out and make Jesus known. Gospel community leaders who give up their time, who give up their homes throughout busy weeks to gather groups together in the word of God. Prayer warriors across our church, who gather together every morning on Zoom or privately throughout the day, every day throughout our church, praying each day for our church, for our leaders, for our mission, for people to come and know the greatest joy we can know, Jesus. It's, I'm so privileged to be able to be alongside such zealous, zealous, spirit-filled brothers and sisters, serving the Lord with their hearts filled with this agape love that they first knew. In God. This is what Christian zeal is rooted in God's love, sustained by God's Spirit, directed to the service of our Lord. See, Christian zeal without love is unrecognizable. Christian zeal without the Spirit is unsustainable. Christian zeal without service. Serving the Lord is unfaithful. See, Paul encourages his listeners, this kind of zeal is the mark for all Christians. And yet for so many, we can so easily get it wrong. See, I mentioned just before that it should naturally make sense that Christians serve the Lord when they remember the very reason for their zeal. And I want to press further into that. See, for many of us here, in those seasons where it seems, where we seem anything but zealous, where thinking about zeal, we're just so far from it, in those seasons, I think a lot of the time it's because we've become distracted. Maybe we've pushed away. Maybe we've even forgotten the very reason for our zeal in the first place. And so I want to bring us back to the greatest example of godly zeal we could ever know. Jesus himself, who showed a passion and a devotion, a will unlike anyone has ever seen. God's very own son coming down to lowly earth, who during his ministry zealously preached the good news of his arrival, saying in Luke 4, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom. That's devotion. That's zeal. I must preach the good news of the kingdom. Repent and believe. Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, who sustained him all throughout Jesus' ministry, the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, the agonizing, um, agonizing weight in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Spirit was with him, sustaining him all throughout. Jesus, who went around to the masses, serving the needy, healing the broken, showing mercy to the outcast, serving the Lord, exhibiting a, a zealous love and compassion to those he, to all those he encountered. See, Jesus is the perfect example of Christian zeal as demonstrated most on the cross. But God shows his love, his agape love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while it could be hard to imagine Jesus was zealous, was eager to go to the cross to die, the death meant for us out of his merciful sacrificial agape love, he remained devoted to God's will, paying the penalty for our sin. Out of his power and faithfulness, the Saviour, filled with the Spirit, promised his Holy Spirit to us when he left. Out of his amazing grace, Jesus serving the Lord in the ultimate way, how? By serving us and giving up his life as a ransom for many. Saying he, the, he said, saying he, the son of man, must suffer many things and be killed and three days be raised to life. He must do this and he indeed did. That is devotion, that is zeal, fulfilling God's plan of salvation and bringing glory to our good, good Lord, so gracious, so mighty to save. A zeal unlike any scene, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, when we daily remind ourselves of the wonderful joy of what Jesus has done for us, we can't help but be zealous to live for the one who gave us new life. Our zeal will be recognisable by how it's rooted in a love that was first given to us in Christ. Our zeal will remain steadfast, throughout because it's, it is sustained by God himself who gives us his Holy Spirit. And our zeal will be faithful as we live to wholeheartedly and humbly serve our good Lord. So let's be encouraged today to not only be a zealous Christian, but to be a zealous church, to have an eagerness, a devotion, a desire To joyfully love and serve our Lord fervently, because I think Christian zeal is contagious. When one or a few people live zealously for Christ, others see that. The whole group is encouraged and challenged. And out of God's goodness, more often than not, what you'll see is the general temperature of the whole church rise. Paul reminds us that zeal is a mark of a faithful Christian. Let's also make it the mark of our church. Let's pray together. Father, you are a God so gracious, so kind, Lord. We thank you that through your servant, Paul, that you would uh, share us what it means to be a Christian, Lord. And in that, we're called to be zealous. We're called to love and adore you above all things, to have a devotion and enthusiasm to you, Lord. And we thank you that it is most seen in your son, Jesus, who willfully, who... Uh, willfully, in full devotion, followed your plan of salvation, coming down here, dying for us, that we may have life in him. Lord, may your spirit help us, sustain us, especially in seasons where we feel like being zealous is so hard, Lord, but we know that as we lean into you, know that as we have your spirit, that you are with us, that you are the flame that sustains us and keeps us going, for you are eternal. Father, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity out of your grace to serve you, Lord, that it, showing of grace itself that we can serve you, Lord, and I pray that you, you help us, you challenge us to want to serve you in all that we do as we be reminded of the very first love that you gave to us in Jesus and that you are love in our life. So we thank you, Heavenly Father. We pray this all in your Son, Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.